Psalm 13:6. I will sing to the Lord, because He has dealt bountifully with me. Let's start. When God comes calling, day fourteen, chapter eleven. A time. What's chapter eleven? Chapter. Nine. A time to build. Page one hundred thirty-seven. Russia from the military to missions. I wasn't the only one. To draw on my military background when I stepped into missions, to launch our ministry in Russia, God used a retired U.S. Army lieutenant.、Um, lieutenant. What does that mean? Lieutenant is like,、uh, it's it's a kind of.、Um, It's it's a I'm not sure how to describe it. It's like captain or general. Lieutenant、oh. is one of those things. Lieutenant colonel. What does that mean to together? Lieutenant colonel. So that's um. It's a for example general. Uh huh. Or or captain. It's. It's a position it's, in the army. Yes. Okay. Oh, it's a officer position、mm-hmm. yes. in the army. Okay. Named Warren Wagner. For two years before the collapse of the Soviet Union, Warren was was stationed in Central Russia as a commander of the U.S. Missile Inspection Group. During that time, he developed relationships with the Soviet officials, including those working in the Admirate Republic. This area was at the heart of the Soviet defense industry, and was built of um. To join, I can hear the kind of noise from your side. Okay, I can mute myself. Thank you. This area was at the heart of the Soviet defense industry and was sealed off from the outside world during the communist era. Warren retired from the military with a burden to reach the people he once worked with. His wife King already served in. Pioneer's office in Sterling, Virginia, in the finance department. So when Warren retired, he joined Pioneer's. It was the perfect match. We wanted to initiate a ministry in the former Soviet Union, and Warren had all the right contact contacts. To do so, his relationship with formal officials, combined with his vision for using innovative techniques, helped him to establish the Russian-American Christian Professionals Institute. 
RCPI in S Vesk. Um, how to read that? Hello, Chujun. Your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> okay, S Vesk. Today, this outreach includes business consultation, TV programming assistance, care for orphans, and classes in English. Computers and drama, pioneers, missionaries serve in partnership with national workers, Russian, Admirts, Tatars, and other native peoples to evangelize and plant churches in Esbesk and the surrounding villages. God has raised up four new churches in the area, including a fledgling congregation in a village in central Admartia. More than 100 people have already placed their faith in Christ and are working to show his love to others who are lost. One of the first admirers whom our team reached out to reach out to was a 17-year-old named Andre. Like any unsaved teenager, Andre's main goal in life was having fun on weekends, he would serve as a desk jockey for dances at, the, at his high school, and he had friends all over campus. Then he met a group of American English teachers by vocational missionaries with pioneers who moved to his city in 1993 to minister with RCPI. Andrew's, Andrew was one of the first admirers that the team led to Christ. Today, he's still attracting a crowd. Only now he talks about Jesus instead of rock and roll. He has a passion for evangelizing, discipling new believers, leading youth work and taking a personal role in growing one of the strongest new churches in Esbesk. Middle East, a voice in the desert. Desert? Desert. Desert. A voice in the desert. As I write this book, I've just returned from a trip to the Middle East with my son John. We traveled to Sudan, Egypt, and Lebanon to visit and encourage pioneers' teams, hear their testimonies, and pray with them. Sudan is in the midst of the longest-running civil war on the planet since 1983. More than 2 million people have been killed, and another million have served or has, have starved to death because of famine. The radical Muslim government in the north has uh, declared a jihad, a holy war, against the southern part of the country. 
populated by Christians and animists. The team we partner with in Sudan serves in the midst of extreme hardship and under constant threat of persecution. These 25 national workers and a handful of foreign Christians have a ministry of evangelism and church planting that include outreach to refugee camps. A Christian bookstore, an orphanage, and a medical clinic. The war has displaced 4 million Sudanese, many of whom live in appalling conditions in refuge camps where there is little food or medical attention. Words cannot describe the heart-wrenching conditions of these people who have no hope in this world apart from Christ. We held two open-air evangelistic meetings in a camp on the outskirts of Kutun, the capital city, which is located in the Muslim part of Sudan. Our team set up a stage and a sound system on the sand, and more than 700 refugees listened as John pre preached about Abraham. John explained how the pat pat patriarch Patriarch, what does that mean? Patriarch is like older male person in a family. Oh, okay. Yeah. John explained how the Patriarch searched for the city that God had promised him, but he lived in a tent all his life, only to discover that the city God promised was in heaven. What? So the promised land is in heaven? Yeah. Oh my god. Do you think it's hope or it's a dispressing? Hmm. I guess like the best, we know that like the best promised land is going to be in heaven. So that's like, paradise it will be more wonderful than we can imagine now so i guess it is a hopeful thing okay um colin how do you think well yeah did you call me yeah just curious how do you think if uh, one day you figure out the promised land god promised to you is in heaven do you think it's a hope or it's a disappointing or it's a desperate? That's a good question. So you say, well, let me repeat the question. You say if God is in the heaven, then uh, is it a hope or disappointment? Mm, see, if uh, on earth we are looking for promised land, which God is promised to give us. And uh, if one day we find our promised land is not on earth and it's in heaven, do you think the answer 
fulfills your heart? I think uh, I trust God. I trust God uh, in what He's doing. And uh, if it's in heaven, then you know it is in heaven. Then you know we'll eventually all get there and meet in heaven, right? So it's the promised land. <laughs> Great. Um, nice. Good to hear that. So good to hear you still have you have hope after you heard this promise that is in heaven. How about you, Eva? How would you feel? Um, I would feel a bitter sweetness. <laughs> so it's half half. Yeah. Mm, on one side, we still live on this earth, so we go through all the ups and downs. So we want to have uh, achievement or successful life on earth, and we want God to give us uh, the promised land to fulfill the desire of my heart. But um, if we have a big picture as God has, we do need to put our hope on eternal life and know the promised land is in heaven. Mm-hmm. And it has everything we need and it fulfills every desire of our heart. Mm-hmm. That's true, yeah. Although I think Abraham, I mean, he was very wealthy in life, so he did sort of have his promised land in life as well. Mm-hmm. I guess he, and he did live in Canaan. I guess Canaan didn't belong to him. Mm-hmm. But it was promised to him. Yeah. To his descendants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At the close of both meetings, many of these uh, precious people trusted Christ for their salvation. Helping to meet some of the needs of these believers is part of the way we assist them in church planting. In one refugee camp, where believers worship in the open air as temperatures soar, soar past 100 degrees. We were asked to provide a new roof for the building, as well as benches and supplies for their one-room school. We supplied 10,000 words of donated medicine for the team's medical clinical clinic which is strategically located in a major city the clinic is a great help to the muslim people in the area and provides an effective outreach to them needless to say life for team members in sudan is not easy one of the team doctors a single man lives in a simple room in the back of the clinic, and the national evangelists live on just one hundred seventy-five a month dollars a month. Part of our goal in traveling to Sudan was to encourage these faithful workers. Each morning, John shared a devotional with the team followed by moving testimonies from former Muslims who have been transformed by the 
good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. Pioneer has teams in several other restricted access countries in the Middle East where they are praying and working to plant churches. In some countries such as Kuwait, gaining ground for the kingdom is a lengthy, lengthy process. In other places, the church is growing dramatically. A pioneer's couple in one very restricted country in the Middle East has been some dramatic conversions. Judy, the wife, is an America, and her husband, Ali, is an Egyptian believer. Not their real names. Their goal is to reach the 1.3 million Bedouins who live in the deserts of the Middle East. Most are enriched by the Gospel. Judy shares one of the exciting testimonies they've experienced. The man standing at our apartment door had all the indications of a very religious Muslim. I had never seen him before, but I didn't know the teenager with him, 19-year-old Tahir, who had accepted Christ just two days earlier. Tahir made the introductions. This is my father, and he wants to talk to you Talk to your husband now. My husband, Ali, who is Christian, convert from Islam, had been working with Tahir for three months. Tahir was eager to learn and one of the most receptive people we've encountered. Earlier that week, Tahir had come to our apartment while we were meeting with Dr. Lee Brocher, a member of Pioneer Board, and John Fenn, who at the time was Director of Field Ministries. They were in our country to find out firsthand about our work and evaluate what type of workers would best assist us. As they talked with Tahir, he made the life-changing decision to accept Christ and dedicate his life to him. Ali had warned Tahir of the possible consequences of a Muslim embracing Christianity and even searched for a new job and living quarters for Tahir in another part of the country in case we need to move him quickly. All this was on my mind as I led Tahir and his father to the balcony to meet with Ali. Back in the kitchen preparing tea, I knew there could only be one reason for this unannounced, unannounced visit. Within minutes, minutes the secret police could arrive.
if they were not already waiting downstairs. Cat here's father might even have planned for his other sons to murder Cat here. Killings like this had taken place in the past, and the converts had had would be placed on a pole for viewing. The local sheriff's report would state that it was an accidental death. Fear enveloped me. Silently, I prayed, Lord, anything is possible through you. Still, the monster of fear gripped me my throat. I told myself, Faith the size of a mustard seed. Surely you can do that. Instantly, my feelings melted into peace. I carried tea to the balcony and withdrew, watching the proceedings covered, co covertly. Watching the proceedings covertly, what does it mean? Um, watching it secretly. Oh, okay. After half an hour, the father rose abruptly and left with Tahir. As soon as he they were gone, I asked Ali what happened. Tahir told his father everything. Ali said, he showed him his Bible, and explained his. Conversion. His father said Tahir had been a terror for years. He had been disrespectful, cursed his parents, refused to go to school, and did not want to work. He had vandalized the neighborhood. What is it? What does it mean? Vandalized the neighborhood. And Vandalized means like 搞破坏. Oh, I see. And it was a heartbreak to his mom. Finally, his father threw him out of the house. But he said for the last three months since I've been working with her here, he has changed. He is a diligent, visits his parents often, and treats them with love and respect. His father couldn't understand the change. After Tahir told him he had been learning the Bible, he began to understand. I was in shock. Does this mean he's not going to turn you in? I asked Ali. He wants to bring his older son to learn about the Bible and about to become a Christian and how to become a Christian. He said, make him just like Tahir. All the air went out of my lungs. Vividly, I recalled the night of Tahir's conversion. Tahir had asked for a Christian name. I will call you Andrew Tahir, Ali had said, and Dr. Broncher, Broncher Immediately added, 
and the angel brought his brother. See John, chapter one, verse forty-one. These words had been prophetic. Christ meets us where we are, even though my husband has faced the size of Mr. Everest. The Lord still held Mr. Mustard Seed in his hand that night. It's such a powerful testimony. Yeah, definitely. The change of the life is the best testimony. Yes, very beautiful thing. Yeah, and for them, it's such a uh, risky put their their life in risk to be converted to Christian, and they are willing to do it. Yeah, it's very inspiring. It reminds me the things happen uh, um, currently mm-hmm. in, in Afghanistan. Afghanistan, yes. Yeah, we do need to pray for them. Mm-hmm. It's so it's such a difficult time for all the Christians there. Yes. They said that um, Afghanistan is the second most dangerous place to be a Christian right now, only second to North Korea. Oh my gosh. The repressive situation in this country intensified not long after Judy wrote that account. What is repressive? Um, like oppressive, like very, um... Oppressive? Yeah, oppressive. Okay, got it. Forcing this couple to escape at night out the back door of their apartment while the secret police waited for them at the front door. They fled overland during the night to another country in the Middle East, where they continued to minister to Muslims, always looking to build relationships with the goal of planting a church. Another unreached people group in the Middle East is the Jews, 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 their religion is a mixture of Islam, Judaism, and Christianity. They believe in one God who cannot be understood. Our team in Lebanon is mis- ministering among the 400,000 Jews people. What a privilege to tell them about a God who went, or who sent his only son, Christ. To Messiah, to the the Messiah, so that we can both know him and love him. A few years ago, there were only two non-believers among the Jews. Our team has seen a tremendous breakthrough in Lebanon, where one hundred Jews have come to Christ in recent years, and many more 
have expressed openness to the gospel. There is a newly established Goose Church, and members are actively reaching out to friends, family, and neighbors. Our workers shared this amazing report of God's faithfulness. S is a 16-year-old who has been coming faithfully to all our meetings. He also plays percussion, 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 the derbaka. Uh, is that a musical instrument? I guess so. I don't know what it is. Okay, during our worship time, he has been a believer for over a year now. In January nineteen ninety nine, his brother Ian woke up in the night, nauseated. Nauseated. What does that mean? Nauseated. Um, you. Oh, I see. Hmm. And uh, vomiting blood. They rushed. They rushed him to the hospital, and found that he had a bleeding ulcer in his. What is ulcer? Ulcer is like. Uh. Zhong Liu. I'm not sure what that is. Oh, thank you, Colin. Had he had a bleeding ulcer in his stomach, caused by a very strong antibiotic, he was taken to treat a kidney infection, and was at the hospital for six years, for six days, during which time, he received seven units of blood. Through it. His mother and father asked us to come pray for him at the hospital. Three local believers and I visited him. He was in a two-bedroom, and the other patients was at Maronite Maronite Christian, who also had two guests visiting him. Anne's mom, dad, and uncle were there too. We visited for a few minutes, and then asked him if he wanted Jesus to heal him. He said, "Yes, please, Jesus, help me." We prayed for him with our thick accents, accent, accent, accents, and the Maronites in the room were staring, not believing what they were seeing. The next day, his father came to thank us and told us that Anne had stopped ble- bleeding and was going in for an for an endoscopy. Late endoscopy. What what's that? Endoscopy. It's like you use a camera to see, or oh, not a camera, but a. Look in the stomach, like a. Uh huh. I got it. Yeah. yeah. Endoscopy. Mm-hmm. Um. Later that morning, a few days later, we heard what happened during the endoscopy. 
and who was under local anesthesia. Local anesthesia. What does that mean? Local anesthesia. 麻醉 Oh, local anesthesia. Heard the doctor shouting unbelief. He called seven or eleven or eight other doctors to come and watch what was happening on the screen. It was the unclear seeping up and healing right before their eyes. The doctor was stunned, saying, "This is from God." It can only be God. We have we have had a few Bible studies with Anne's parents. Anne is now attending all our meetings with his brother. As we are pretty certain that Anne's father and brother have become believers. Another family from a remote town has also become to. Has also come to faith. The father is a shake in his sixties. What does that mean? Shake in his sixties. Um, like someone in a position of power, I think. Okay. Like a leader. Uh huh. Oh, I see. And his son is also a shake. I am amazed at what God is doing. Who would have thought that a Jewish sheikh and his family would come to faith in Christ? That is the Lord's doing. What rest and peace we have in the knowledge that He is doing the work. We don't have to keep up the pressure to pro produce. That is His hands. These exciting stories of God's faithfulness are being repeated all over the world in places such as Kuwait, Turkey, India, Uzbekistan. How to read that? I think it's right, Uzbekistan. Uzbekistan, Hungary. Russia, Vitamin, and a rich area of Bolivia and Peru. We pray for enriched people and ask God, the Lord of the Harvest, to raise up missionary laborers to go. He answers that prayer and send them out way, send them our way. They start or join. Teams that plant churches, and God continues to work miracles. These victories often come with a high cost, as the enemy contests grounded we have won. We've experienced the joy of seeing God's church grow, and we've also shed tears of grief as we've seen families pay the ultimate price for the gospel. Tom and Diana Lawrence from Houston Chinese Church in Texas came to Pioneers in 
with a burden for the enriched people of China. They already had a fruitful ministry to international students from mainland China who were studying at universities in Houston. Houston. Tom and Diana were a natural fit for our very first opening in China. At that time, the government of China required that English teachers have doctorate degree, which Tom did. He and Diana accepted a position in January 1985, teaching English in a remote northeast city in China. They were among the first English teachers to go to China. Oh, they must have to have doctor doctor degree to teach English in China. What? That's so weird. It's so high. Uh, how yeah. do you say? How high standard? Yes. Yeah. Put those limits high. Today, China environmental standards are far from healthy. But in the days when the Lawrence lived there, the situation was even worse. Okay, I thought they will say today Chinese, China environmental situation is uh, good, is healthy and uh, that back to that time it was the uh, worst. But for them, they think today it's uh, far from healthy too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Most cities in China are heated with coal in the winter, and for many months, it is virtually impossible to see the sky through the black haze of smoke. Oh. Wow. Tom was eventually diagnosed with cancer, and he and Diana fought a valiant battle. Tom wrote in a prayer letter to their supporters. During these days, while teaching in China, I experienced malnutrition for an extended time. What does that mean, malnutrition? Malnutrition? Mm -hmm. um, I guess that, I'm not sure how to say that in Chinese. Okay. Uh, I would acquire congestion in my lungs, which I found I had to leave China periodically to recover from, and I had I frequently found myself in situations where I was breathing dense and unfiltered secondhand tobacco smoke, and uh, those uh, conditions. It is uh, probable that carcinogenic how to read it carcinogenic what's that it's like causing cancer oh, okay carcinogenic substances made a home in the congestion in my lung while my immune system was unable to fight back due to the malnutrition. 
So malnutrition actually means like not getting enough nutrition. Oh, okay, I see. Yeah. On July 13, 1993, Tom went home to be with his lord, whom he served so faithfully. He was 45 years old. Only 45 or 49 years old. Just before he died, he wrote his uh, supporters. It was right for us to share Christ with the young people in China, despite the cost. Many of our friends are and will pray for my complete healing. We welcome those prayers and we are pursuing our lives with that hope in our heart. However, we want to clarify that our faith does not being, uh, does not hinge on God's willingness to heal, but on Christ's victory over death. We believe that we will be raised up together to share in Christ's glory at the resurrection of New Testament believers towards the end of this age. Tom was not the only one who reminded us of that. Um, I think as uh, the kind of the end of the story for Tom. Okay. Yeah, we could, could we stop here today? Sure. It's a kind of a long chapter for us. It is, yeah. Oh, chapter nine is pretty long. It cost our team at the time to build. So it's a, they build it uh, across all different, enriched country with uh, such great courage. Yes. They they pick and they they choose that very hard way. They are missionary. Their mission is uh, totally go go to the decided to die for Jesus and mm-hmm. live under persecution persecution because uh, they want their goal is go to those place people don't know Christ don't know Jesus and uh, there's a lot. Uh, non-believers, there are no support. It's mm-hmm. such a admirable. It is, yeah. Yeah. Is anything strike to you today? Um, I guess I was um, touched by that story about the boy who his ch- life changed so much and his father wants his brother to also become a Christian. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen someone's life changing um, kind of 180 degree flip around in such short timing? Not really. Mm-hmm. How yeah. about you? I see people's life change gradually, mm-hmm. but 
haven't really seen that big change in a that short timing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Anything else? Hmm. Can't think of anything else. What about you? Um. The thing strike me. Yeah. One thing is that that story of of the boy because the, as I mentioned, um, the author of that story. And she kind of gave us a background context about how what does it mean to become a believer in that country, what the cost you would need to pay if anyone find you are a believer and your family will even want to kill you to kind of uh, um to yeah. It's, it's terrible. It's terrible. And mm-hmm. uh, in this terrible situation, um, God makes something miracle. Yes. Yeah. And uh, another thing strikes to me is, uh, um, it says in one of the letters, it says Christ meet us where we are. Regardless, we are in high or we are in low. Regardless, uh, how broken we are, Christ meet us where we are. Yes. Yeah. And uh, another from another letter, it says we don't have to keep up the pressure to produce. It is in His hands. Um, it's a uh, like a lot of people. They come to Christ not, not because of what we do, but because of God, what He has done. Mm-hmm. Yes. Very true. Yeah. Anything from you, Colin, from today's reading, or today's story? I don't have much to add, uh, I'm, but I am curious. Uh, this is not a passage from the Bible you're reading, right? No. Okay. Just wondering because I don't remember hearing apartment and ulcer and all that stuff. Uh huh. Oh yeah. Give, give you some background about this book. This book called "When God Comes Calling." It's uh, written by the founder of uh, a missionary called Pioneer. And the mission for this missionary ministry is to send the missionaries, send the people to unreached country, um, to be evangelistic, uh, share the gospel, and, uh, and let them know who is Christ, who is God, and Jesus, and bring them back to um, Christ. So. This book is about how does this um, ministry start, and uh, what's the, like the impact of this ministry, and all the stories happens during this journey. Got it. Thank you. Mhm. Thank you.